You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass, Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Thursdays at 3 p.m. West Coast time, heard exclusively here on octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage, encourage you to consider listening to the program live during our broadcast times. <clears throat> the show is brought to you by Commerce National Bank, Succession Strategies, and Smart Business Magazine. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, make better decisions. Critical Mass Coast to Coast is a production of Renaissance Executive Forums and Critical Mass for Business. If you'd like to learn more about Renaissance Executive Forums, then visit their website, www.executiveforums.com. We have two guests today. Our first guest is from the great state of Arizona. And it gives me pleasure to welcome Albert Smizer of Smizer. <coughs> excuse me, I'm talking Olson and Watts. Albert, welcome to the program. Thanks, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here. What about your firm? Well, the firm is an intellectual property firm. We deal with patent, trademark, and copyright law, uh, other types of intellectual properties such as uh, domain name issues, Internet uh, issues, cyber squatting, things like that. And uh, that's what we specialize in. We uh, have about 25 patent attorneys and agents, uh, offices in New York, Arizona, and uh, Washington, D.C. And as you can probably tell, I was originally from New York. I couldn't tell at all. No, I thought you were a native there in Arizona, actually. <laughs> Not quite. I know that your lawyers, in addition to being attorneys, are also scientists and engineers. Can you tell us a little bit of how that benefits your clients? Patent law is the only separate bar exam. So I'm a licensed New York attorney. I'm also a federally registered U.S. patent attorney. And to take that patent bar exam and become a patent attorney, you need to have a background science degree. And that's essential because we deal with all different types of technology. So I mentioned we have about 25 attorneys and agents. Aside from being attorneys, we have Ph.D. chemists, we have you know, electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, biotech people, so that they can relate to the inventors and understand what they've developed and then write and prosecute patent applications. The, the area of patent law and securing patents has been in the media. I'm a lay business coach, you know, here in Southern California, but I know that it's made the national news and the business news as well because there have been some fundamental changes, at least in how patent protection is viewed. I'm wondering if you, I'm not asking for any legal advice here. I'm just <laughs> asking from your knowledge of the uh, of that sector of law, can you give the listening audience, which are mostly business owners and executives, sort of a, a sense for what's been going on in the past few years? Not a problem. Uh, actually, it's interesting because I also teach patent law. I'm an adjunct professor at a local law school here. And uh, so this year, this semester, I had the wonderful opportunity of two, teaching two areas, two sets of law, the old law and the new law that kept, came in place primarily on September 16th. It's called the American Invents Act. And probably the, the biggest change is that we're, we're joining more of uh, the worldwide laws and trying consistency throughout the world because most patents these days 
are filed overseas, and it's a more of a global approach. So probably the biggest the biggest change is that the United States has gone to what they call first to file. Um, used to be that if you were the first to invent something, then you could prove that you could own your rights if somebody else had come up with the same or similar idea. Uh, now it's more of a race to the patent office. So without getting into all the nuances, because it's pretty long, uh, pretty long set of laws, uh, that's probably the most important thing. So if somebody has an idea, has an improvement or something that could be patentable, it becomes much more important now to pursue it as quickly as possible. Albert, from what I've heard, and you know, most of the people that listen to the program tend to be mid-market CEOs and business owners or smaller entrepreneurs. This change in in view based on patent law, it, it was it felt somewhat controversial because it, it's there were there was a side of an argument that said this may favor different sized companies, etc. What's your sense of that, and is my recollection of that controversy even accurate? You know, I, I've heard it. I've actually, you know, talked to a number of people about that. Uh, I don't really agree with it being favorable to large businesses, as some people think. And the reason is I've been involved over the years in a number of interferences uh, or litigations where you're trying to prove who invented something first. And whenever you get involved in, in protracted litigation, it, it's always the the one with the most money who has the advantage, the large corporations. So in my mind, going to a first-to-file might be slightly disadvantageous to a small person because they have to move a little more quickly. But under the new law, if they filed first and two months later some big corporation files, you don't have to go through the protracted litigation to prove you invented first. You just look at the filing date and you filed first. And aside from some possible exceptions, uh, you're going to own those patent rights. So I actually think when it's looked at over a period of time, it'll benefit the uh, the smaller inventor who really isn't financially up for a, a big litigation with a multinational, multibillion-dollar company. Yeah, I guess if I had to say what do entrepreneurs have more of, time or money, I can follow your line of reasoning, counselor, so I'm going to accept your premise. They have more time. They also have more passion. This is not a company where you go in every day and things are developed and they go through the approval process. These are entrepreneurs. They're exciting. I've dealt with them for over 30 years, and it's it's phenomenal experience. They're passionate, they're excited, and they're motivated because they're, they're making a real difference in their or their small company lives. And that's, that's a great, great aspect of, of dealing in patent law. Yeah, and many times, I'm sure you've seen this, especially with entrepreneurs, that patent may be their only path to having a viable business. So it's critically important to them versus you know, my sense and having worked in Fortune 100 and Fortune 50 companies, they don't usually bet the farm on any one technology. It's just they're so diversified. It's nice to have it for the growth, but it's not critical to the survival of the business as it would exactly. be. Exactly. One of the things when I talk to a, a small company or, or an individual inventor that I try to get across is that patents aren't best used to go out and sue people because that's expensive. Uh, for the small to mid-sized company or the independent inventor, the patent forms the basis for a lot of times raising funds, getting investment capital, 
for uh, marketing purposes. It's a lot easier to uh, get your product put on the shelves when you can explain that it's patented and that if the company wants to buy it, they have to buy it from you because uh, you own the patent. So I like to look at uh, a patent uh, more as a, as a tool, a businessman's tool, to raise funds and, and market their their company. I completely agree. It's a barrier to entry. It's all the things that you said. It's a part of your assets and it's a, it's a part of your the wealth of the company, the intellectual property. So the issue of patents can be confusing because it's a lengthy process and it's dealing with the federal government and I'm sure in your experience you've seen this as well. Many entrepreneurs and, and mid-market CEOs aren't really clear on what that means when you have to engage a federal agency to secure a patent. But from your experience, when an inventor has a patent and they want to work with you, and I know that you you guys file many successful patent applications every year, what's, what can the, an entrepreneur or business owner expect the process to be like, Albert? What, what, what are they in for? Well, you know, the first thing I always say, and this is one of the first things that taught, was taught to me by the person who is my mentor, a man by the name of Charlie Watts, who is absolutely brilliant in patent law. And that is, I, I asked him one of the first days at work, I said, Charlie, how do I know something's patentable? And he said, well, show me a difference that makes a difference. And so I think the first step is for somebody who is in business, has products or processes, if they're doing something different and it gives them a benefit, if they have a difference and it makes a difference, that's something that could be the subject of a, of a patent application. As that person comes to me and I look at it, one of the first steps can be performing a patentability search in order to determine whether or not the idea really is available for patenting. Then, and you're 100% right, you're dealing with the government, the process can be long, it can be somewhat laborious and tedious, but the, the key and what I try to focus the inventor on is not the getting the patent, because that, just because you're dealing with government, can take easily a year or two, or more in some cases. The, the key for them, and I'm sure you've seen it many a time, is to get patent pending, okay? And, and you see a lot of products out there. They're not patented, but they're marked patent pending. When you file your patent, that kind of establishes your right. You know, I filed it at this day. And especially with the American Invents Act, um, where first the file becomes so important. Now you've got a patent pending. You can go out. You can show your product without any concern of losing it. You can, again license it if somebody's interested in helping you develop it you can use it to raise funds or you can use it as an entry to to try to actually sell the product so we we meet with the person if it's patentable we write the patent application up they review we go back make sure we have everything covered get patent drawings done get it filed and the minute it's filed your patent pending it's filed electronically now and i tell people the minute that happens run as fast as you can with the technology. Okay. Uh, interesting conversation. I'm so glad that Steve Pincus and Phoenix brought you to our attention here for Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I'm going to ask you to be patient. We're going to take our first commercial break. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to ask you to explain, if you would, Albert, to, to our audience, the difference between a, applying for a, you know, a, a patent and maybe applying for a trademark or service mark. Are you comfortable in helping our audience kind of understand those different areas? Yeah, I've been doing it for about 35 years. I'm really okay. comfortable with it.
with it. You have a rough idea of what we're going to be talking about. So, ladies I have and gentlemen, a few thoughts. Stay, stay with us here on Coast to Coast. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. Thanks. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire? or try and pass that business on to your children. At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. As I said, Critical Mass Coast to Coast is a production of Renaissance Executive Forums and Critical Mass for Business. Renaissance Executive Forums brings together top executives from non-competing companies into an advisory board process through which thousands of leaders gain fresh ideas, and new perspective. If you're interested in learning more about the process, then find them on the Internet at executiveforums.com. Albert Schmeiser is my guest. He's the managing partner with Schmeiser, Olson, and Watts. We're talking about, oh, various things in the area of law. His expertise is in patent, trademark, service, mark law. And before the break, I was going to ask Albert to share a little bit of the distinctions between the different filings and Without getting too deep into it, could you help our audience to sort of understand the general times when you would want to apply for a different type of patent or mark? Patents, as I mentioned before, if you have any product, process, or something that is different and makes a difference, something that gives you a benefit, a better tool, um, maybe a better iPhone app, something like that that actually has a function, um, that's something to consider for patenting. And you file a patent application. If you get a patent, it lasts from 20 years to the date of issue, and it gives you the right to exclude others from making, using, selling, or importing that invention, that idea. Um, trademarks, you can have any number of patents marketed under uh, a trademark. You think of Nike and all the things that they market or 
some other company. Trademark started thousands of years ago when pottery makers or weavers put their little mark on their pottery or or blankets uh, to show that it was their quality, uh, their uh, their item. And it brings with it a certain sense of confidence. For example, you're in South Dakota, you see a McDonald's, you go and you ask for a Big Mac, you're going to get the same Big Mac you got down in Arizona or in New York. But the reputation of the company is carried in the trademark of the company's goodwill. So whenever you have a, uh, a name uh, for your company or for a product or product line, it's in your best interest to protect that name. Uh, trademarks do not have a limited duration. You can keep renewing them, and they can last virtually for forever. Uh, you take a product like Monopoly, great game. Monopoly was a patent. They patented the idea of putting hotels in houses and charging you more rent when you landed on them. And that patent expired, but the name Monopoly was federally registered, and so... For as long as that game is out there, for as long as that trademark's maintained, nobody can use that name on a similar or confusingly similar product. I should mention, too, that trademarks also these days are very important when it comes to domain names. Domain addresses are becoming extremely valuable to companies, and we've had numerous instances where we've had trademarks for our clients, and somebody starts using a confusingly similar domain name to steal away their, uh, their customers. And when you have that trademark registration, it makes it much easier to go in and either file a lawsuit or get that infringing domain name transferred over to you. Can you share from your perspective, Albert, the difference between a trademark and a service mark? It was a distinction that used to exist more years ago. They're both trademarks. Again, a trademark is, is acquired for something where you show a source of your goods. We made this. And years ago, there were more distinctions than there are now. But if it was a product, you know, such as, uh, you know, sneaker from Nike, then that was a trademark. If it was a service, such as a McDonald's or Wendy's, then it was considered a service mark. Uh, you used to file different applications. For a service, you, ser you filed the service mark application. Uh, for a product, you filed the trademark application. Now they're all considered trademarks, and you simply designate on the application whether it's for goods or services. This is interesting, and I think it's, I think it's an underused aspect for entrepreneurs and business owners who, who aren't creating products, the idea of trademarks and, and how they might benefit their business. You, you brought up a powerful concept, which is, your URL domain name, and how important controlling your brand and creating a space for your brand. I was able to successfully secure the name Critical Mass in my area of expertise, and I got a trademark on the name Critical Mass um, a year ago because that's the name of my business in the area of coaching and, and the things that I do. I actually saw the benefit of that um, shortly after I secured it. I received a request from an entrepreneur in a different part of the country who wanted to offer a similar service and use the name critical mass in his market and his lawyer told him that when they did the patent trademark search that you know I was out there and I held it and he he needed to request it from me so immediately I saw sort of the not that we were competitive in any way but I saw the value of having that registration and that name secured for my business perfect example and you know the other possibility was 
if that person had used it, even if it was in a little bit of a different area, what if they were really lousy at what they did? And all of a sudden, the name critical mass starts becoming related to this somewhat sleazy operation somewhere else or somebody who's ripping people off. And all of a sudden, the value of your name that embodied all the effort and goodwill you put into it and all the honesty and everything else all of a sudden gets gets significantly diminished. From my experience, I encourage, again, I work with mid-market and entrepreneurial companies. I, I encourage them to think about their name, if they have a unique name for a product that they're or a service they're bringing to the market. I think it's worth the investment of working with a professional firm such as yourself to do the search and to see if it's worth it and at least get the advice because if you can secure the name and you can trademark it, then it's just another thing that you have as a as a property of the business that would create value in the future for you, especially as you maybe decide to sell the business or uh, pass it down to your kids or, you know, whatever. It's It's another asset that you have in the business, I believe. You know, just a quick story. I had an attorney who called me one time, corporate attorney, and he says, we're in the process of buying this business. It was, it was a restaurant. It was a very well-known restaurant in our local area. But I keep asking him about the trademark, and, uh, and I'm not getting straight answers. So I did a quick trademark search, and I said, well, the reason you're not getting a straight answer is because the name of that restaurant is trademarked by a company out on the other coast. <laughs> And you may not have heard of them, but they have a federal trademark registration. And the day after you buy that restaurant, you could get a cease and desist letter and have to change the name, which was where the value was. Literally overnight, the purchase price of that restaurant dropped by about $400,000. Wow. See, that is, again, it's those kind of stories that people need to pay attention to because it's a big country with a lot of entrepreneurs, and you don't know who else might have already secured it or it's an opportunity for you if you want to to find a revenue source off of it if some large corporation may want that that name and finds value in it so it's just it's just another thing to think about and i was so excited when steven said you were going to be on the show and i did some background on you and your firm i really like the way you position yourself in on the web you guys are forward thinking with videos and stuff and i really was impressed with the work that you're doing in your market so if someone would like to find you online, what can you give them your your URL, your website, please? You bet. The URL is IP, stands for Intellectual Property, and then Law USA. So it's IPLAWUSA.com. And that's the firm. We've got offices, uh, Arizona, New York, D.C., and uh, we handle clients literally all over the world. We file patents, trademarks, and copyrights in virtually every country in, in the world. So we, we also offer free initial consultations. Feel free, contact us, give us a call. Uh, we'll have one of our professionals spend some time. Make sure you understand what your rights are and what opportunities you have. Is it your experience that this area is increasing with, you know, with the uh, kind of the economy and everything that's going on? Are there more people making patent and trademark filings, or is it kind of a steady state or declining? What's your experience, Albert? It's increasing as technology is increasing. As we all know, technology is is literally on a tear. It's interesting because even when the economy downturns, I went to visit one of our clients, big worldwide company uh, with offices in Texas, 
and I went down there, I was speaking to 20 or 30 of their engineers, and the head of the company uh, was there with me, and he said, this is a bad market. It's very hard to sell. We need to get patents so that we can go out there and show people that we have improvements and things better and that we can make the sale because it's not going to be as easy as it was. So sometimes even in a down market, companies will actually rely more on their technology because in a tough market they need every edge they can get to make those sales and to show that they are offering a better product or service. I said I, I was going to let you go, but then you got interesting again on me, so okay. I wanted to hang, keep you hanging around just for a little bit longer, Albert. And, and, no and I guess that's a question that I have because it's clear to me if you have an invention or a technology, boy, you ought to you know, go for a patent and, and patent that. But if you also have a, a, a service, a unique, a, a difference that makes a difference, it doesn't have to be a tangible product. And, and many times service organizations, I don't know that they even think that maybe they should be looking at can I patent this this process procedure the way we deliver the service that's that's another area that you would encourage entrepreneurs and business owners to consider as well wouldn't you by all means again one of the reasons we provide a initial consultation no charges unless you're in the field it's hard to really know and we'll go into we'll talk to individuals or we'll go into companies and we'll do what uh, we refer to as an IP audit sit there look at what people have talk to them look at maybe if they have a catalog or something and just educate them as to all the possible intellectual property rights they have to uh, protect them from competitors and to increase the value of their business. Uh, long ago, I learned that there's no harm in asking. If anybody has any questions, contact us or another IP firm and find out what you have because it could be uh, the difference between your success and failure, and uh, it could be something obtain and pass on for generations and... Uh, be the basis for your success. Well, I appreciate your time today here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Thanks for being a friend of the program. Welcome to the Critical Mass and Renaissance Executive Forums community and continued success with your firm uh, in the markets that you service. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate everything uh, that you guys offer. And, uh, you know, if you ever have any questions, just give us a call. You got it. Thank you, Albert. Appreciate okay, it. Okay, Rick. Take care.